Hi guys, welcome back to Wildest Kruger Stories. For those of you who don't know us, I'm Craig. And I'm Carolina. We've got an exciting episode for you. Before we jump into that, what have we been doing this last week? We've had quite a quite an interesting one. It's been about birthdays. Yes. Well, it's actually been two weeks since we recorded the last episode because we've been wow, so, been so busy. Long. Yeah. Goodness gracious. But we've done a lot. Eh? We have, we have. We were crazy busy because, as you said, it was our birthdays. So we celebrated that by going to Kruger mm-hmm. uh, and to Hoodspray to visit some friends of ours uh, in between. But yeah, we actually ended up running into a lot of people, didn't we? Like we we made plans with a lot of old friends. Well, actually, not old friends; they're still friends. But we obviously, with us being in Tanzania and um, going on the cruise to Namibia and doing all these tours, we haven't really had a time to had a chance to see them. So it was really, really nice seeing and catching up with a lot of our friends. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, that's how hood spread works as well. You kind of like. You run into so many people when you just, you know, you're just shopping. having, yeah, doing shopping, having drinks with other friends, and then you run into like three yeah. other friends while you're having drinks with the first ones. So that's just how it works. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think Kruger was Kruger was amazing. I think we had we had some really cool sightings. We, we really did. We had two leopard sightings. Yeah, we did. We had the one on the termite really mound, the female on the termite mound. Yeah, they were both really like really close to the road. Yeah, which is not often the case when you do the self drives in Kruger. And the one sighting there was two feet. There was two leopards in the sighting. They had a impala kill up the tree. We didn't really have a good sighting of the one on the ground, no. but the the female, which we assume was the mother, um, was just placing the key the kill in uh, in a tree quite close to the road. So that was that was very interesting to see. Yeah, it was really cool. And then we had awesome wild dog sightings mm. as well, which is just so special. Uh, since they're so endangered, it's really, really special to be able to see them. Uh, and yeah, just in, overall, just a great time catching up, up with a lot of friends, enjoying Kruger. And yeah, we had a great week. We did. We yeah. did have a great week. We had great birthdays as well. Birthdays were good. That too. <laughs> that too. We spoke about Craig's story last time. And God, it was long. Yeah, <laughs> that did get quite long. <laughs> uh, so now it's my turn to take Yeah, exactly. So and tell my story, I guess. Exactly. We're going to dive deep into what brought Carolina here, why is she here, and why she's still here. <laughs> but um, just basically, just her story and how she came from a Nordic country and ended up in, in, in hot, sunny South Africa. When did you first decide that, like, wow, Africa was, this is it for you. This is this is the place that I want to be. I know, but our listeners don't. Well, yeah, I think when I actually decided that this is where I wanted to be and, like, wanted to move to, like I have done now, that was a little bit later on. Uh, a lot of people ask me when they find out that I'm from Sweden. I guess I should maybe start with that for those who don't know, uh, that I'm originally from Sweden and born and raised in Stockholm. And I honestly had never had any kind of like experience with Africa whatsoever. I've been to Egypt once with my mom and brother and it was the worst holiday of my life because we all just got sick and the whole (laughs) got ruined. So that was my experience with Africa. But then, and a lot of people ask me, you know, oh, did you always know you wanted to to come here? And like, was this your dream your whole life? And not really. (laughs) It kind of... Ending up here kind of was one of those things where it's just one thing leads to another and then all of a sudden your whole life has changed. And I think the first, the first like exposure, what do you call it? Like, yeah, the first time you were exposed to, mm. to South Africa, that first almost, let's call it African awakening. <laughs> I don't know about that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so 
when I finished high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to start studying right away because I just didn't know what I wanted to study. And I was kind of tired of school. <laughs> so I was like, let me take a gap year. A lot of, a lot of my friends uh, did the same thing. And a lot of people would like backpack in Asia or Australia, or they went to like, yeah, work in Australia for a while. Or some of them went to the States for like studying there for yeah. a bit and whatever. Uh, so that's what people kind of did after high school. And they did a gap year. Exactly. And your gap year is still going. My gap year is still <laughs> going. <laughs> and that was the thing. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was very I was very keen to go to to the States and do like studying English there or something for for like six months or something. Because I had friends that had done that and I was very keen to do that. So that was kind of my plan. Okay. But then we got a visit from my parents' friend who has lived in Kenya for many years. And he started talking about Kenya and like telling all these crazy stories. And I was like, wow, that is flipping cool. And for some reason, we started talking about he does horse riding mm-hmm. as well. And I've always been a horse girl pretty much my whole life. And that was my big thing with when I was talking about maybe going to the States and stuff was that I was like, oh, but then I can't do horse riding for six months, which like at that point in time, I was like, that's, that sucks. You, you do realize they have horses in the States. Though. I know, but it wasn't going to be like, it wasn't going to be kidding. the same. I'm kidding. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> because I was going for a yeah, different yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's kind of, he was like, but you know what? There's like horse farms and stuff in Kenya. I've got friends that has horse farms. Like maybe you could go and, you know, help them out and like volunteer at these horse farms for a bit and I was like wow that would be flipping cool so he hooked me up with a contact in Kenya and I started talking to this girl and was kind of like almost like auditioning to go and help her out at her farm but I think my skills weren't good enough. Did you fail? <laughs> yeah. Did you fail the interview? Goodness gracious. <laughs> well, it was, I actually just stopped replying to my emails. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of fell through. Um, but, you know, what? looking at it now, that was a very yeah, good I mean, thing. Absolutely. Everything so, happens for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> so I was so, like, snowed into the whole Africa thing at this point because I was so wowed by the idea of doing this that uh, I literally just Googled volunteering africa horses <laughs> like this is Such a true a story strange thing to google it's a true story volunteering africa horses and i clicked on the first link that came up and it was this travel agency in, in sweden that does like also like gap year kind of things they yeah, do also yeah. stuff in, in australia and stuff and i think my friend had actually done something through them so i recognized the name so i clicked on it and I pretty much booked the first thing that came up. Wow. Basically. I I was obviously, I did read a little bit and like going through, but I did send in an inquiry and then they come back to you and tell you a little bit more about it and whatever. And they were very like helpful and they phoned me and whatever. And I was so keen to like get this done. So I I booked like to go a month later. It was literally, yeah. It was a very, very spontaneous, very like last minute but I think it was just something that told me that this is what I need yeah. to do. You know, you know when you just know that it's right and you're just like, I need to get this done and I need to do this now and I don't want to wait any longer. And that was kind of the case. And they organized it for me. And a month later, I was on my way to South Africa for the first time. Wow. Which is, is quite crazy. And before this point, so obviously now we're talking, you have just stumbled upon the first thing you Googled. <laughs> and uh, you've booked your ticket. And now is this, is this pre 
photography Carolina or post photography Carolina? Like where where are we on the photography fame? Because I think the a lot of our listeners will know you for your photography. So was this a point in your life where you were actively practicing photography or not at all? Um, I guess yes and no. Uh, I got my first camera when I was 15 and I always just enjoyed taking photos. Like I would have photo shoots with my friends and stuff uh, when we were young and I remember borrowing my dad's camera at the point and then eventually I got my own when I was 15 and we I remember taking a lot of photos and then really enjoying like the photography side of things, but it wasn't like I was very serious about okay. it. Uh, okay. I did do a course in school because I enjoyed it and whatever. Also so you understood fun. the fundamentals. I guess so. Yeah. And, and I had my camera and uh, at this point, I remember uh, I just had like a kit lens for those who don't know that that's usually like the lens you get with the camera when you buy it as a, as a kit and um, as a package. And that wouldn't be really good enough for wildlife no, 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 where no. I was going. Portrait. Yeah, exactly. It's great for portrait. Exactly. So then my dad had a telephoto lens that he was like, okay, but use this while you're in South Africa because you're obviously going to want to take photos of yeah. animals. Um, but I had like zero expectations on the photography side. Like that wasn't why I was going, but it was just like, cool. It'll be a fun thing to, to do as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was kind of where I was at with, with the photography. Nice. All right, and then so you you booked this experience, you arrived in South Africa, and then yeah, you got so, on a bus. Well, so the first first <laughs> three days of me being in South Africa, we spent in Johannesburg at the travel agencies. Like contact was me and a couple of other girls that was going. We were all going to different places in South okay. Africa, and they basically do like an introduction days. Um, of where you're going, what you're gonna do. Uh, no, no, not really. More like learning like a little bit about South Africa's okay. history, you know, doing the touristy stuff in Johannesburg. Okay. So we did like the touristy stuff mm. uh, for three days <laughs> and just got to know these girls. And most of them were going to other places. But then there was two other girls that were going to the same place as me, uh, which was in Hoodsprite. For those who don't know, that is just outside Kruger. Small little town, uh, very close to our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. At absolutely. the time, I didn't know how to pronounce Hoodsprite. Well, very few people do yeah. to this day. Very few, actually, very few South Africans actually yeah. know how to pronounce Hutzbrecht. Um, so I don't expect internationals to. No. So anyway, after these three days in Johannesburg, I think the agency might have done a bit of a budget cut because I found out later on that usually they would put people in the flight to Hutzbrecht. But I also know that the flight from Johannesburg to Hutzbrecht is very expensive. So they probably cut a bit in the budget. Sorry. Fun fact about that. Sorry, I'm cutting yeah. you off in your story just for listeners. Like, this is Wildest Kruger stories that I don't know at this stage, but at one stage, Hoodsprite Airport was the most expensive domestic airport in Africa. It was 7,500 Rand to fly from Cape Town to Hoodsprite, and you could get a flight to London Heathrow for cheaper. Sorry, just just a fun fact. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on. But that is true. That is true. It's a very expensive airport, and I think that's why they cut yeah. that part, and they were like, okay, we'll send you on the bus instead. And I for love those this part of the story. <laughs> for those who don't know Africa and South, South Africa, yeah, going on a bus... From Johannesburg to Hoodsprite is a bit of an experience, especially this bus. If if someone says bus, yeah, it's you know it, it's it's it, it it it's long. If someone says shuttle, different. It's like a different bus, story. Long. 
So shuttle is usually like the little bit more like normal way people would be traveling, um, especially tourists and stuff from yeah. Johannesburg to to Hoodspray because it's like a small minibus. But this is a bus which from like coming from Sweden, I didn't think that was a weird thing because we would go with buses all the time. I think what's not normal about it is it makes so many different stops. Yeah. And it's a big bus, so it's low. And it did not have aircon. <laughs> so I get put on this bus from Johannesburg to Hoodsprite and I get told that it's supposed to be like five and a half hours or something. And Which Swed- that's what it takes when you drive in a car. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Swedish Carolina is like, cool. Then I'm looking at my, t- my watch and I'm like, cool. Then we're going to be there at like this time. I can't remember. Because we left quite early in the morning. So I was like, cool. We're going to be there at like, I don't know, mm-hmm. two o'clock or something. And I was like, good. And then we start going. And at first, you know, I'm just listening to my music just, you know, on the bus. And it's very hot. And I'm just like trying to deal with the heat because it was like 35 degrees and there's <laughs> no aircon. Anyway... Eventually, we start getting into like the countryside, and I start realizing that compared to a a bus in Sweden, where you would have like the stops coming up on a little uh, screen on the front of the bus, being like next stop is Stockholm Central or whatever, that doesn't happen in Africa. <laughs> so I was like, how am I supposed to know which stop is mine? And I start looking outside, and I try to see if like maybe the you know, maybe the the stops have a sign, which also in Europe you would have like, okay, this is bus stop, Stockholm Central and whatever. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's literally just park next to the road. Here we go. And it's, there's no sign. You, you just need to know. You need, you to, need know. to know. <laughs> and I start panicking a little bit and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, where, when do we stop? And uh, when do I know how to get off? And I'm like, okay, well, I know what time we're supposed to be there. So, you know, around that time, I'll start like maybe asking the, the driver and whatever so i do i'm like okay we were supposed to be there at two o'clock so maybe 20 to two i asked the driver i'm like we're supposed to get up but they get off at, at hood spray i couldn't pronounce it so he didn't understand me first and then eventually he realized what i was trying to say <laughs> and he's like oh hood spray yeah, yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you when you when you need to get off but then like half an hour goes by and i'm like no 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 what if we've missed this stuff so i go and ask him again and he's like, no, no, we will. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. We're not there yet. Don't worry. And then an hour goes by, and I'm like, no, no, what's going on? And I start panicking. I'm getting very nervous because now I'm in the middle of nowhere in Africa. I wasn't completely by myself. Luckily, I had these other two girls that were going to the same place. But but still, I'm I'm getting very nervous. I think this bus driver got very annoyed with me. And eventually, we get to this little town, and he's like, hey, you, this is where you're getting off. <laughs> So <laughs> I arrived to Hoodsprite. Uh, that was an experience of a lifetime, really putting me out of my comfort zone. And I think that was my first experience of how, like, Africa works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just get on the bus. Not You need to know where you're going. You need to know what it looks like. You need to know where you're going to get off because that, that's just kind of how it works. Like, like nobody you, takes care of you. Well, I mean, like, if you hadn't gone to the bus driver, he would not no. have said, it's Brady, would have, you would have sat on the bus all the way to the Zimbabwean border. <laughs> yeah, so that that's kind of like my first experience. But after that... And at this point, I was kind of scared, you know, and nervous. I was very much out of my comfort zone. This little young Swedish girl in the middle of Africa really getting a cultural shock, you know. But then we do arrive to Hoodsprite and uh, the owner of the horse safari place that we were going to, uh, where I was going to volunteer, 
she met us at at the bus, bus stop and she is super super nice and she's like cool you know get the bags jump in you know i'm gonna take you guys through and whatever and i'm like okay now i feel like i'm in safe hands like now someone is taking care of me and i kind of started to relax a little bit and this is where like my other like experience of of like africa and south africa kind of came about and where i kind of like got another kind of type of cultural shock i guess mm. So we get we get into this bucky. <laughs> For those who don't know what a bucky is, it's a pickup truck truck in South Africa. We call them <laughs> buckies, which is also kind of not new to me. Not that I hadn't yeah. didn't know what they were, but they were not very common common in in Sweden or uh, in, especially in Stockholm. So I was like, oh, that's quite cool. And we get into the bucky and we start driving down this dirt road and she like showing us, you know, oh, here's the stables. And we drive past the stables and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, look at all the horses. I'm so excited. Also, just to explain, like, I did not have any like expectations of where I was going. I kind of just, you know, booked this thing and thought that it was going to be cool and whatever. Didn't think it through very much. And I kind of was, I was expecting not to like hang out with a lot of people. I thought I was going to be like me and maybe some one or two other people or something i remember you telling me you brought a lot of books i brought a lot of books because i thought i literally thought my <clears> holiday <throat> was going to contain chilling by the pool reading books riding and i don't even think i thought much about wildlife i was like <laughs> you know do you see lions like how common is that i didn't really think i didn't really expect anything and that was what I, I thought i was going to be in the middle of the desert and get the a desert did you hear that yeah the desert because it was africa and that was my my <laughs> expectation of africa so i thought i was gonna be in the middle of desert desert in the middle of nowhere not be able to socialize with anyone not have any kind of like internet connection whatsoever i was gonna read a lot of books and i was gonna get a great tan by the pool and i was gonna do a lot of horse riding that was my that was my expectations like full on but then we we get going and we drive down this dirt road and we get to what they call the bush camp. And this bush camp is actually in the greater Kruger. I had no idea how, like how all how of that system worked. worked. Yeah. And for those who don't know what that is, go back and listen to, I think our first or second episode, we dive into more greater Kruger yeah. and all of that. So then it's in the middle of the bush pretty much. And it looks super cool. And we drop our bags and she is like, do you guys want to go and meet the others? They at the pool. And I just go, one, the others. And I was like, the pool? Because she's like, we need to just drive there. And I'm like, you need to drive to the pool? Like, what? And the others? Who are the others? Is there people here? Am I going to be able to, like, get to know new people and friends and socialize? I did not expect that. But we are like, cool, you know, we've been sitting on a bus and it's been, like, 35 degrees heat. and Pool sounds good. Pool sounds great. We start driving to the pool and we drive past the giraffe and my mind is absolutely blown. And I'm like, there's a giraffe right here. Like we, we, we're on our way to the pool and there's a giraffe. Like what, what is this? Uh, for those of you who don't know, like especially in the Hootspread region and that, if, that sector of the Kruger National Park, you know, giraffe are quite a common species. So for someone that hasn't seen that before seen that before like we we take it for granted when we, we live there yeah um but you know with someone that hasn't seen it before it's just i can't even imagine no it was incredible i, I was completely mind blown i'm like we're on our way to the pool and there's a draft just randomly right here and i was like wow this place and and then we get to the pool craig was there that was, was the there. first time we met that was for those who listen to the 
last episode, that was when Craig was at this horse safari place learning how to ride a horse. And you had obviously been at the stables during the day and then just hung out with everybody that afternoon at the pool. Yeah, I think so. I'm not, I can't remember. No. I can't remember. But you were there anyway. So that was the first time we met. And everybody's at the pool and they're like, you know, having drinks. And it's like the sun is about to set. And it's like this whole, it's like a whole very party vibe. And everybody's like, oh, are you guys coming to party tonight? And I'm like, party? Are you, do you guys party here? Like, are we not in the middle of nowhere? Like, what, what, what is this place? Anyway, that was the day that I was like, yo, two months is not going to be enough. I realized, I knew it there and then, and I was like, two months is not going to be enough. This place, this lifestyle, I don't know, the vibe, I was like, this is just, this is beyond, and this just speaks to me. Uh, so that was that was my first first day in Hoodsprite, which was quite incredible. That is an incredible first day in Hoodsprite. My first day in Hoodsprite, I crashed into Chris. <laughs> That's That was... Sorry, we're derailing now. It's supposed yeah, to be Carolina's. <laughs> but Craig, yeah. Craig can't handle me having the attention for Yeah, a bit. <laughs> no, not at all. That, but that's a hell of a day to have in Hoodspread. Yeah, that's also um, a great first day in Hoodspread. Yeah, so. That's kind of how Hoodspread is. Oh, I mean, it just, it wows you. It's that, it's that town that just, it, it takes your breath away. I mean, if you're anything close to nature orientated um, and just remotely a social human being. Yeah. You are, it'll just take your breath away. It's amazing. That was the thing. It was just, it, it really, it spoke to me and I was just like, two months is not going to be enough. And then, so you did your two months and uh, then went back to Sweden. And did you go back to a job? Yeah. So yeah, I did the two months and it was an absolutely incredible experience. Uh, just to touch on quickly, like what those two months you know, looked like it was basically a schedule of being at the stables during the day. And then we went on game drives in the afternoons or in the mornings, depending on, on the day and the heat and everything, which was also really cool seeing all the animals mm. and everything. And then during the weekends, we went to like festivals and we, we went on excursions. We went up the mountain on the one. That was your me, first day. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was that first weekend. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we went up the mountains to Maripskop. For those who don't know that, that is um, just outside Hoodsprite. It's part of the Drakensberg. It's beautiful. Uh, so, like, we, we really explored and it it was really in, in, an incredible experience and absolutely blew me away. And I completely fell in love with Africa and South Africa and especially, like, the wildlife and the bush. And this is where I started doing, I started taking photos of the wildlife and I was really enjoying it. And then I went back to Sweden and it was November and for anyone who's been in Sweden in November knows how shit that is. <laughs> cold. It's cold and it's like grey. And I think two days after I came back, we had the worst snowstorm in 200 years in Stockholm. And I was just like, what <laughs> am I doing here? And I was broke, completely broke because I spent all my money in South Africa. And I took up a job as a temp teacher. Because it was just like the first job I could get kind of thing. I didn't have a job before I left to South Africa. Yeah. I had been working at a restaurant before that. And that restaurant wasn't open at the moment. So I took over a job as a temp teacher because it was the easiest job I could get. And it was horrible because you just move around to all these different places. And they would like phone me at five o'clock in the morning and say where I'm going. And then I have to get on a bus for like an hour before I get somewhere. And then you get there and you don't know anyone. So you always eat lunch by yourself. It was... I was miserable. I was really, really miserable. 
coming from a real high, being in South Africa, going down to a crashing low, coming to Sweden and being completely broke and working, <laughs> working and like trying to, you know, adjust to being home again. So at that point, I was like, no, no, I need to get back to South Africa somehow. This is shit. I can't be here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be here. So I did. You did. Uh, I I went back about six months later and visited for just like a week or so. Visited some friends in Hoodsprate again and just, you know. And I was kind of testing out seeing like, okay, maybe it was just like this romanticized first time being there. Like, do I want to spend a lot of... Because I was saving money now trying to be like, hey, let me go travel again. And I was like, do you want to spend all of this money on doing the same thing again? Or... Do I want to go somewhere else? Do I want to go and backpack in Australia? Or do I want to try to do this like gap year in, in, in the States or something? But I couldn't find anything that else that spoke to me that way. And I had made friends in Hoodspread and I wanted to get back to the wildlife and to Africa and all of that. So I went back for that, uh, that week and uh, really enjoyed it again. And I was like, no, I do need to get back here. It's still as, as like amazing as I remember. And that's when I found out about a overland course for for the guide training we spoke about that in the last episode about yeah, the fagasa level one like what do you yeah what do you need to do to to become a an entry level field guide exactly and that's what i decided to do then it was a course that is entry level field guide so you get become a qualified guide and at the same time we were traveling around south africa and southern africa actually we traveled to different countries yeah. for two months no three months and I was like, that sounds really cool because then I can explore more of the country and get to know more of the country, but I can still come back to Hoodsprate and, you know, see the friends and, and people that I've gotten to know there, but I can still see more of the country and not just do the same thing over again. So that's what I did. And that was in 2018 that I ended up going yeah. on that. So it was about a year and a half after I had gone to South Africa for the first time. I ended up doing that and it was an incredible experience. Um, I didn't think, when I first came to South Africa, I didn't think I could I could qualify as a guide because I was so mind, mind blown by all these people, the guides that I met that knew so much about the bush and I knew nothing, coming from Sweden obviously, didn't know anything, couldn't see the difference between a cheetah and a leopard, couldn't, didn't know if it was a gazelle or an impala, like I... I <laughs> Knew nothing. Because of common things. It, no, yourself. no, no I mean, it's a very... A, people often get confused. With 100%, this. 100%. Like, it's a very understandable thing to be confused about when you haven't grown up in Africa or had any experience in, about it with Africa. And that was the thing. I didn't think I could be a guide because I just met all these people who were so knowledgeable and knew so much about the bush. And I was like, I know nothing, so I can't be a guide. But then they also gave me the confidence. The, the, the same people that I met, you know, all these guides and stuff also told me, no, you can do it. As long as you t- study enough and you work hard, you can, you can <clears throat> do this. So I came back. I did the Fagasa course. It was a fantastic experience. I learned so much. Traveled around South Africa and went to some really cool places. We visited all the nine different, is it nine? Nine biomes. Nine different biomes in South Africa, which basically is nine different types of... um, It's just, it's it's different vegetation, just ecosystems, ecosystems. basically. Um, The nine different types of ecosystems within the biosphere. 
classified as a biome. So. Yeah. And that was really cool to see that South Africa wasn't just Kruger National Park. There was so much else to it and there's so much to see. It's such a diverse country and it was really, really incredible to travel around and see all of that for two months. And yeah, this is a really cool place. It's had an incredible experience. Um, really loved it. And just before I went on that trip, I met Craig again. Yeah. And that's when we actually started dating. We did it just before your overland. Okay, so, so you did your overland. You explored Africa, or South Africa, sorry. Um, and then came back and we were obviously dating. You wanted to stay longer, am I right? Yeah, so when I started the Fugasa course, I was able to get a volunteer visa doing that because I was in the country for longer. And I needed to be in the country to do the course and I got a volunteer visa. And that also gave me an opportunity to be in South Africa for a longer period of time. And that's kind of what I, w- I wanted to do. I wanted to try and see, okay, if I'm in South Africa for a longer time, not just being here on holiday, am I still going to love it as much? Because you're going to love any place if you're there for a holiday. So I wanted to see, is there is this where I want to be? Do I want to invest all this time and money into trying to live here and trying, trying to create a life here? And that was kind of what the Fugasa course gave me, the, the opportunity to do. And during the overland, you also phoned me randomly. With yeah. a very with a random opportunity. Yeah, it could be random. Very yeah. random opportunity of me to to volunteer at the lodge you worked at. Yeah. Because I wanted to be in the country, and they gave me the opportunity to volunteer at the lodge in exchange for food and accommodation. Yeah, just to kind of just experience. They had known me. I had known the managers for a while, and they, uh, they were happy to have you just come, experience the lodge industry for a while yeah exactly so it was a very uh, unique opportunity in that way because it made it possible for me to be in the country for longer and it also got me a foot in the door of like getting experience in the in the lodge industry and actually you know starting yeah, to the work tourism game mm, yeah. exactly so i did that i went and, and uh, stayed with you we started living together very early on in our relationship yeah what like i think how long Two months or something. Two months, yeah, and we started living together. Goodness gracious me. <laughs> yeah. <And> it worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Yeah, it's, I guess it's the ultimate test on, on it, your relationship. It. So I started volunteering there. Obviously, because I was volunteering, I still needed to go back to Sweden to earn some money again. So I went back once or twice a year, uh, worked in Sweden at a restaurant and... I just worked really hard to try to be in South Africa because I knew I wanted to, to yeah. be here. I've I had obviously met you at this point as well, so that was also a big part of it. But I, I always just knew I wanted to be here. So you were then with me at the lodge and when I, I, I struggle to remember when the first time you kind of started like really actively taking photos i remember you would take a camera on like game drive if you if there was a spot open on a game drive and you just take a few shots but i, I remember i sorry i don't really remember when it was that you were like wow this is cool so yeah that's a good question because as you say i would i would take my camera on on game drive and i enjoyed it we went to kruger a lot but mm. i think at this point we we didn't go like early mornings or anything we weren't as as what do you call it 
dedicated. Yes, exactly. As we are now. To the, to the photography game as we are. But I really enjoyed taking photos and, and I took my camera with me. But I think one time when it kind of switched where I was like, I took a photo that I got really, really proud of was, and I realized that this is something that maybe is more than just you know, I take my camera on game drive was when I went down to the lodge one afternoon and all the guests were out on game drive. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and watch the sunset over the dam because the lodge was looking over a dam and I had my camera with me and I was just going to photo. I thought, I think I wanted to photograph the kingfisher that was there. So this was the first time I actually went like out of my way to try to photograph something. And all of a sudden, these monkeys came around and they were climbing all over this, uh, what's it called? A bur- burbin. Oh, the weeping burbin. Yeah, weeping yeah, burbin. Yeah. The flower, those bright red flowers. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tree that has that flowers once a year with these bright red flowers that you can eat. They're um, sweet. So, so sweet. And the monkeys started eating these and the sun was setting, the light was beautiful and I took photos of the monkeys I eating these. I remember that photo. You remember yes, these photos? Yes. And I think that was the first time when I was like, okay, wow, these photos turned out really, really good. Like, I'm super proud of them. And I didn't know really what I was doing at this point. I was still kind of like, I, I knew the basics, but I was still mm. kind of clicking away, just, you know, trying things. And it really worked out. And looking back at it now, I can see why it worked out because it was late afternoon. So it was beautiful lights, the beautiful colors of the flowers and then the gray monkeys. And it just worked out and I had a, quite a nice background and all of that. But at this point, I didn't, I didn't realize this. I just looked at these photos and I thought they were really good. And I was super happy with myself. And I was like, wow, cool. I actually went out of my way to take photos and it worked out. And something just kind of sparked inside me, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I think that really sparked my like big interest with Instagram. Oh, sorry, with photography. Passion, yeah. And I think sorry. Well that 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 snowballed. I mean that you you say Instagram that then snowballed into Instagram which snowballed into you growing in Instagram which I'm sure you're going to tell yeah, us. Yeah, so th- what I was going to say was why why Instagram popped up in my head. What I was going to say was that that was it was during that time that I actually started my Instagram as well. It was a friend of mine that convinced me eh, I must put my photos out somewhere. And I thought it was super cringy because I was like, everybody creates an Instagram after been to Africa once and, <laughs> and uh, they call themselves a other photographer. And I felt like it was super cringy, but I actually, I did it. And by having this Instagram, I also started seeing other people's photography, which really inspired me yeah. to continue growing and continue being a better photographer. And that really also started something. And from there, you obviously you were volunteering. So... You couldn't make money. Yeah, so that's what I was... Because you were just kind of doing things at the lodge, just kind of seeing how the lodge operated and experiencing it. Basically, just... Helping out, whatever yeah, I could. Yeah, but not, there, was the, there was no job. It was no. just volunteering. Um, you were there on a voluntary basis and lucky enough that someone would kind of let you experience something like that. I think a lot of it was also that I was living in the same room as you, so they, they could yeah, spare their, yeah, their exactly, accommodation and they exactly. were like, cool, come hang out at the lodge and, you know, sure. work where you can and whatever. And it gave me experience and I had a place to stay and that just really helped out. But yeah, so I had to go back to Sweden and I worked there for, for a few months during each year. And then eventually I was able to apply for a spousal visa. Because yeah. we had been dating for long enough. Uh, I don't think it was the dating. It was the cohabiting. So it was yes. actually, that's where it benefited us that we moved in so early. 
because we had to be living together for two years before we could we could actually start all the paperwork and whatnot. Or we had to get married. That was my suggestion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It wasn't. <laughs> no, uh, no, exactly. So we were cohabiting for, for two years and that's why we could apply for the visa. And we did and I got it. And that's when I could actually get a real job and, you know, actually start making a living in South Africa, which made a huge difference. You made the jump from volunteer to assistant lodge manager yeah it was a big jump <laughs> big jump overwhelming jump but yeah tell us about that and how that that kind of spiraled going forward from there yeah so we we got an opportunity we got a, a job in the greater kruger as assistant managers yeah. and i think definitely your experience helped out in that position because we got employed as a couple yeah yeah, because you had a lot of experience. I think that really helped out with getting that position. And luckily, I just kind of right. <laughs> well, I think it, it was also yeah, but I think it was also you were you, you were also quite young, quite driven, mm. um, and also I think you keen know you, you're keen to learn, and they you were is moldable a word? <laughs> I don't know. I guess easy uh, to mold. Easy to better. mold. Yeah. Um, easy to mold. And I think that's why uh, that, that's why we, we fell into business. Well, like, yeah, we shouldn't be too, again, not be too hard on ourselves. No, we true, nailed true. that interview. Yeah, and we, we really got it. Yeah, the interview went very well and we really got along with the managers. And so, yeah, it just really went well. We got the job and we moved into the new, the new lodge. And then... That was a new experience, uh, a lot of hard work going from a volunteer where you weren't really working to working as assistant manager was, was definitely a where big you step. Were like at times running a camp. Yeah. yeah. So that was really a very cool experience. And, and then lockdown happened. This was, we got that job in the end of 2019. Yeah. And then we, lockdown happened in end of March. March, yeah. 2020. Yeah, yeah. So we were four months active. Yeah. <laughs> And we were very fortunate, weren't we? Because like so many people got laid off in COVID and said like, if if we were at 90% of other establishments and had only been there for four months, people would have said, sorry, uh, last in, first out. And yeah, so. Exactly. So we were very fortunate and, and they took care of us during COVID. We, we got stuck, I guess, at the lodge. Uh, they did ask us though, if when lockdown was announced, they asked us, if you guys want to go home and you spend lockdown, home. you can go home. But we were kind of like, no, it would be cool to hang out at the lodge. <laughs> got an infinity pool. Yeah. Fully stocked bar. <laughs> exactly. So, so it was really, that was a really cool time, actually. Yeah. I guess we were all stressed about the world and about COVID, but... It was, it was a, a cool, good place to be stressed about the it world. It was a good place to be stressed about the world. And we had a really, we kept on working, just keeping the upkeep of the camp and, you know, and just making sure everything was, was in order for, for whenever we were going to open up again. But we, uh, we also spent a lot of time doing social media drives and we spent a lot of time at the pool and just hanging out with the other managers that also uh, were there. And we had, we had a really good time. But I think that's when you and I felt like, okay, all of a sudden we have all this free time because we're not as working as much. Mm. So we both started studying. Because I, th- okay, I remember, sorry, um, I remember we were like, for like the first month, six weeks, we were sitting and just watching Netflix. And then it was cool. But it got boring. It was like, I'm wasting my life. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember thinking that to myself. And I remember us both getting quite, quite quite grumpy with each other yeah. at times like it was a difficult time for our relationship definitely um and yeah it was 
but then yeah go on yeah so then we, we both decided to start studying to kind of spend this time doing something productive and i fell upon a random online course for a diploma in photography I know people are going to ask me which course, but I honestly don't want to mention the name because I don't recommend them because the course was good and I learned a lot, but they were definitely a money-making scheme. Yeah, like they, 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 they were they were literally sending you emails constantly and then when you wanted to... <laughs> and it was a lot of like, they say, okay, this is the monthly subscription fee and then you think everything is included in that, but then every like module that you finished, you had to pay extra to actually like write the exam and then you had to pay extra to actually get the certificate and it was like a whole thing and then eventually I was like okay I finished that course great I got my diploma and I was like no no I can't pay for this anymore because we obviously don't cut salaries mm. with with it being uh, COVID and lockdown and everything so I tried to cancel my subscription and that was a flipping mission anyway so I just wouldn't recommend the company but I did study uh, my a diploma in professional photography and that I think leveled up my photography quite a lot and during this time I also spent a lot of time on social media and like growing my Instagram I invested a lot of my time into growing there and like getting inspired by other people and creating a almost creating a brand I guess yeah it is 100% Carolina Nori Wild is a brand So that's what I spent, like, my free time in lockdown. I really started deep diving into this. And it started becoming almost more than just a hobby. And I started really, this passion for it to start growing and growing. And I think eventually when we started having, getting guests again, I started realizing that, okay, this job at the lodge, as enjoyable as it is to be in the bush and as cool as the job is in general, I started realizing that's not really where my passion was lying. Um, that my yeah. passion was actually with the photography and with wildlife. And that's what I, what lockdown kind of made me realize. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Is, you know, we, we, you in particular, because I think, I remember you drove me more than anything else and um i don't think we were getting stagnant but i think you were we were on the course to get 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 into that kind of mindset and you had this amazing opportunity with regards to your growing instagram and um i think that's that that's the reason why we are sitting where we are today mm. it's, it's it feels a bit silly to say that instagram is the reason for it but as you say it's true though it's had a, it has opened opened a lot of doors so me. so many doors i mean social media is it, it is currently the big thing and it will be the next big thing and yeah. um it is it, it's one of those platforms that is uh what you could classify as free marketing exactly. um, and if you have a brand such as yourself it is um it's 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 eye catching for and large I think, companies. I think a big thing for me with social media as well was I started following a lot of other photographers and I started realizing seeing these other people doing photography full time, I started it started becoming less of like an impossible thing for me. Yeah. If that makes sense. It started becoming more of like a reachable dream. It was still very much a big dream, but it was it was more reachable and it it was more tangible because I saw other people doing it on social media. And I was like, that means I could do it. And I think that's what it really kind of just those thoughts started sparking in my head. And I continued, you know, focusing a lot on my social media. And 
uh, it started growing and I think when reels hit I was like I was really lucky to have a few reels go viral and it really grew my following which also mm. helped and about a year ago actually today I opened my my print shop and I took a took a leap of faith and and invested a bit of money in a course that helped me set up the print shop and went through everything that that was of, of setting up a website and all of that and I think that also changed a lot for me because it made it gave me the confidence to feel like this could be something that I could do because all of a sudden strangers from or not strangers but you know people from all over the world that I that didn't have any connection to me except for following me on Instagram started buying my prints and wanting my photos in their homes and that just really changed the way I saw my own photography and the way I saw like potential in, in my photography, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that really changed things. And then, yeah, eventually that snowballed. And I, I you know, I, I wrote my ebook as well. That's also been an incredible thing. Having people read the ebook and learn about photography because teaching photography was, is a big passion of mine. And uh, it just really has opened up that those possibilities, which has really changed. Uh, it has changed my life. It sounds silly to say, but no, it but really has. 100%. So eventually, yeah, I eventually took the, we spoke about that in, in your, your episode, I guess. Eventually we took the step of leaving the lodge industry and actually pursuing this dream full time. Well, we have, yeah, I mean, between the two of us, we have two different companies. Um, you have your print company mm. and we together have Wildest Crew Safaris, which is where we got the name for Wildest Kruger Stories. Exactly, course. exactly. Um, so yeah, it's everything's kind of happened so quickly. It's funny because, you know, a lot of people, I think, and that's why we're making these episodes, is because a lot of people message me and they are like, okay, how can I do the same thing that you're doing? And, and there's no easy answer, there's no easy mm. path, because uh, I've been lucky that opportunities have come, you know, come my way. At the same time, I also feel I've worked really hard to to stay here and to, to create this life. And I've also sacrificed a lot by, you know, not being home with family and, uh, you know, being away from, from my own, my own country for so long. And I think those are the things that people don't really see on social media. I think it's just important to go through and also just to show people that, okay, this was my journey, but not everybody's journey looks like this. And if you are pursuing the same thing, I think the best thing to do is just to take messy action and just start somewhere, just but somehow try to get close to what like get a job or a or volunteer in in a field that is closely remote to what your dream is. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you know, opportunities come if you work hard and you you have a goal and you continue taking opportunities that, that present themselves eventually you you will get to where you want it sounds so cheesy but you're 100 percent right i think it's you need you need to start somewhere and mm. there's so many people out there that are like oh, it's beneath me but it just just do it yeah try you don't know what opportunity will come after you've done that after that that messy leap of faith that you that you have taken and exactly. that's that's our Words of wisdom for the day, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, and I guess um, you know, I think we also we are we are still working towards our dreams. We haven't made it yet. Dreams to... never stop. No, exactly. You and... are you are never where you want to be. You always want to be further on. Absolutely. Always. So we are. You know, people are saying I live their dream life, and I'm like, 
I guess I am living towards mine. I'm definitely closer to my dream life than I've ever been before, mm-hmm. but I continue working towards it. And I think it's just it's just important to remember that, uh, yeah, as Craig says, you just need to start somewhere. And then also my, like for me, I never had a plan from the start that this is what I wanted to do. It yeah. was just kind of things that came to me and eventually, and I just followed where I felt like this feels right. And that's where I went and, and it worked out. And it's working out incredibly well. Yeah, sometimes you just can't plan no, your well, life exactly of how it's going to work out, you know. That's how it is. But yeah, I hope those words of wisdom <laughs> help people. I think that's what we're here for as well. We want to inspire people to follow their dreams and try new things and explore the world and explore the wild, especially. Yeah, and I think that's why we're here. I think we're, we're here to- talking to you guys and telling you guys all sorts of stories and um, where we've come from, how to do this, how to do that, why to do this, why to do that. And I, I think it, it, it can be beneficial to everyone. We're also very open to questions. You know, if you guys have any questions about these things or you are thinking about doing something similar to what I did with, you know, taking a gap year or studying to become a guide, or even if you don't want to study to become a guide, you just want to learn more about the wild or you want to, you know, spend a couple of weeks at a volunteering place in, in Kruger just to kind of explore, yeah. explore. Let us know because we have a lot of contacts so and many, we're super yeah. happy to help. We don't only do safaris. Safaris, we do anything. Um, you know, we talk to us and we, we probably know someone that does that. Yeah, exactly. We can, we, you know, we've gotten, we've helped a few vets finding uh, yeah. volunteer spots. So if you're a vet and you want to get some experience, hands-on experience in Africa, let us know uh, because we definitely have places we uh, yeah. we recommend. Anyway, guys, uh, that's us for episode three. Um like we've always said, if you've got any questions or uh, got anything you want to say to us, please contact us on our Instagrams at Carolina Nori Wild and Craig Reed Wildlife. And Wildest Kruger Safaris. Wildest Kruger Safaris. Can't forget Wildest Kruger Safaris. But guys, stay tuned for our next episode. Next episode, we're going to be covering the Kruger National Park, our favorite spots, and just how that ecosystem and the camps work as one. But until then, guys... See you then. Cheers.